0: <laughs> so, welcome everybody to episode 36 of uh, Sex Wars. Oh, I'm not on camera. How come nobody said anything? <laughs> Is that better? There we go. All right, we're the gang's all here. Uh, thanks for everybody for showing up. Um, hopefully, we don't have the same problems we had last week with YouTube lag. But if we do, just know that we're also streaming on D Live as well as some other platforms like Facebook and uh also you can download the show after on the podcast network uh so all all those links are on my twitter etc if you want to follow me there oh also announcement i got my monetization turned back on on youtube which i'm very happy about after eight months so if you want to send us a super chat you can now send us a super chat through the youtube we'll be checking for those at the end of the show And also, uh, we will check the DLive uh, donations as well. I'm not promising to read all comments that get sent. I might pick and choose, but I'll definitely read the thoughtful ones out. Uh, I I didn't do that last week, but I will do it this week as long as I don't forget again. So our guest today is Helena, somebody I really only know from Twitter. I don't know much about you. Uh, Here's what I know. You're 22 years old. And you, at one point, uh, thought you were transgender, were transitioning to become a, a boy, a man. And then at some point, you, res- you reversed course. And that's about everything I know about you. So th- I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, when it comes to, like, transgender stuff, I've done a lot of videos on gender stuff on my channel. I, you could say that I'm gender critical so to speak, but I'm actually pretty open-minded too. I've been trying to get some people like, like uh, Ken Zucker and um, Ray Blanchard to come on the show. I've talked to them a little bit. I, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded about trying to understand the transgender experience better. So this will be like a first step in that direction. We'll have to actually have some people who identify as trans at some point, but I'm looking forward to this. So I'd like you to start at the beginning. When, when did you decide you were trans and what made you decide that?
1: So there wasn't really like a moment where I decided that I was trans. Um, growing up, I was kind of like, in terms of my gender presentation, I was a pretty normal girl. Like I just did normal girl things. I didn't have any, uh, extra interest in, like, masculine activities or anything like that. Um, But I always had, like, starting in, like, middle school, I guess, I had a lot of emotional issues. Like, I had depression. I had body image issues. And eventually I found my way onto Tumblr. And that I kind of – that's kind of the point where things started going in a weird direction for me. Um, So I found Tumblr. I started – using Tumblr more and more and more and kind of like having real life relationships a lot less. Like I started distancing from a lot of my friends or maybe they distanced from me. I don't know. In either case, um, I was pretty isolated in real life using a lot of Tumblr.
0: And Um, you're how old at this point?
1: That was when I was about 14 is when this started. Yeah. Um, And so at first I didn't like identify as trans or anything. I, I just considered myself like a cis ally And so I just got really into like the social justice stuff. That was definitely the first thing for me to happen. Um, Just like very indoctrinated into the social justice stuff. And then eventually uh, once I was, once I had accepted a lot of those beliefs about the world and about other people, and I kind of saw everybody through these like marginalized categories and like this hierarchy of privilege and oppression. um, That's when I kind of started I started having a lot of guilt about myself, like being a straight white female. And it sounds silly to someone who hasn't like been through it. Cause it's just like, just log off. But for me at that point in my life, Tumblr and my social circle on Tumblr, my friends on Tumblr were kind of everything to me. I didn't have that in real life. So I was really ridden with this guilt. Um, and so I kind of started feeling like, well, maybe I am not straight. Well, maybe I am a different gender or something like that. It wasn't really a conscious process of wanting to be a different gender, but I do think that that guilt kind of played into it. Um, And so eventually I started looking into like gender stuff more. And at the time, I didn't really know why. I was just really curious. So I just started going on all of these informative blogs that would give you all the list of 10,000 genders and stuff that you can pick out your gender. And I just started kind of binging all of that kind of material, going on YouTube, uh, binge watching YouTube videos about trans stuff. And then eventually I decided that I was non-binary. I started with Demi Girl and it just kind of like progressed from there, like a snowball effect of like, I would kind of feel comfortable in one identity that wasn't too far off. Like demigirl is pretty much nothing changed for me. I didn't even change my pronouns. And then at some point I decided that I wasn't comfortable with she pronouns anymore. So I changed my pronouns to they, and then eventually to like some weird pronouns, like neo pronouns. And it just kind of was, like I said, a snowball effect until eventually I reached the point of like trans man, which was the furthest away from what I started at. So, um, that whole process probably took maybe a year from going from just like exploring and like binging all that material to eventually identifying as a trans man.
0: Good. Um, I mean, this is so sad to, yeah, to hear I, you say heard... that, like, cause that, that's something that I've posited. I I think a lot of people have that there's a sort of guilt and just, and yeah. just a desire to get away from these like oppressive identities yeah. Mm-hmm. But to hear you actually say that, I mean, that requires like a level of self-awareness that I think a lot of people, you know, wouldn't, Would you know, it's it's good, I, is what I'm trying to say, that you have that, that you were able to come to that eventually. Uh, but it's it's just so sad that that happened at all.
1: You know? Yeah, it is really sad. And I, I think like, it took me a long time to realize this. Like I'm now, I detransitioned, meaning like I stopped testosterone, and I stopped like seeing myself that way three years ago now. And like, I feel like it's pretty recently that I've started thinking about the guilt and like the oppression categories and stuff like that as actually playing a role in me ending up where I ended up. Um, and I think like, it's something that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about, but I do think it, it plays a big part for a lot of people. So.
0: Yeah. Did you, I have more questions, but did you want to say something?
1: I, I,
2: I wanted to ask a couple of questions that would you, I mean, kind of the obvious ones that are blown up chat, like um, how, how far did you go regarding um, like, well,
1: yeah, so how old were you physical. when you started
0: doing hormone therapy and what, what, where are your parents and all this and what are they saying?
1: Right. So I started a week or two after my 18th birthday um, because most states, at least the state that I was in, um, you couldn't get it without parental consent. Um, so yeah. So I got it like a week after my 18th birthday. And um my parents were pretty opposed to it. My mom a lot more so. Um oh I'll I'll circle back to how far did I go? I was on testosterone for 17 months. Um, I didn't get any surgeries or anything like that. I was planning on it, but I ended up having my like wake up moment, um, that it was all a huge fucking mistake um, before I ended up doing that, thankfully. So yeah, 17 months on testosterone. Um, But yeah, so my mom was really, really against it. We ended up getting into like a huge fight where she basically told me like, don't talk to me until you stop being crazy. So we had a huge falling out. Um, My Um, dad was like against it, but not to that. He was still willing to like maintain a relationship with me. I guess.
2: Man, I I was gonna ask and let us know if it's too personal, but do you feel like the way your parents, at least, um, the way your mother responded? Do you think that she just kind of shut you down, and do you think that that may have pushed you further, or? like, did you feel support from your father or like how kind of, how did that relationship kind of evolve? Was it just like, Hey, I think I'm a man. And she just said, no, you're not. Or was there like, okay, well let's get you into therapy or.
1: Um, yeah. So it was me and my mom have always had like a weird relationship, like very rocky, lot of tension. Um, so yeah, the first time I told her was at like maybe the beginning of my senior year of high school. So when I was 17, um, and she responded like very, she was not about it. Um, and then we just never talked about it again until like six or eight months later when I brought it up at some point. Um, and then we got into another huge fight and then I started testosterone and that was the point where we had like the massive, massive fight. Um, so yeah, definitely I think her shutting me out and like not really being willing to listen to my perspective, despite the fact that now at this point, I understand that my perspective was really messed up. And she didn't understand it. I kind of don't blame her for that. Um, But I don't think it did me any good. Because at the point where we had that huge fight, I was just starting college. And I was like getting really absorbed into like the woke, trans queer circles in college. So my parents cut me out but I was kind of absorbed into this new like family. So that definitely pushed me further in that direction. Um, As for my dad, I didn't speak with him for like six to eight months either um, while I was at college. Um, So despite the fact that he was never as aggressive with me, like I didn't really feel supported by him or like understood really. I don't know. But yeah.
2: Um, I, I remember Tumblr around that time. Um, are you familiar with the Byte model? Yeah. Okay. So that um, one thing that I've that I've really—I mean, I haven't mentioned it a lot on this show. <laughs> um, it's the so Stephen Hassan's Byte model. I actually just looked it up real quick so I could get the facts um, correct. Uh, it's the authoritarian control. It's how uh, it's how multi-level marketing works. It's how um, sorry, how cults. Work and there's four steps to it uh, to the bite model, and I notice a lot with. I, I know it's very easy for people to make fun of you and say you were an idiot who hung out on you were a tumble arena, and but I don't think they realize that when you're in that and you don't feel like you have a strong support system, mm-hmm. that it can actually it just pushes you further and further in the wrong direction. Um, but anyway, let me. Uh, it's behavior information, thought, and emotion. Uh, That's what BITE stands for. And it's about, they have to control your behavior. In other words, they have to say things like, you must go to these events and you must hold up these signs. You must post these things on social media. Maybe they don't tell you that explicitly, but they reinforce behavior within you. You, They want you to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. The second part is the information, meaning you're not allowed to listen to anything that opposes what you, what your cult, your SJW. I mean, the far right has the same thing. I mean, I, I'm not making this just about the left, but uh, when you get in this, it turns into like kind of a downward spiral because um, the third one, which is thought, they have to control how you think, like the guilt that you felt the um, doing anything and everything in your power to not be white despite the fact that you can never just not be white.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then um, the fourth one is emotional control. And that's like what you've already expressed. But um, one of the ways that if if you go into the details of the bite model, it requires you to push away anybody who um, doesn't follow the same like rules that you follow. So if you're, okay, um, HP, remember, or sorry, HP, uh, LP, remember back when they were saying that um, you should uh, cut out your family at Thanksgiving if they don't have the same political views as you, or you should shut off members.
0: I've seen of that your sentiment floating around, sure. You yeah. should block friends who voted for marks, the blue check marks, maybe candidate. even. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, things like that. That's part of the bite model. Um, it's they have to control the information that you get. Um, I've had friends who fall into it and they have no idea that there are certain things that happen politically because all of their news and all their media comes from one source. Mm-hmm. And that's they, so they control the flow of information, they control your thoughts, your emotions. You're not allowed to question. That's the other big thing. You're not allowed to say, hey, wait a minute, um, do you think that? this is going to have an adverse effect on us when we're older that we all fucking hate ourselves and we hate the color of our skin and we hate our gender. You're not allowed to question it.
0: Do you feel Helena, do you feel like this kind of reflects what you went through? Like, I guess specifically I would want to know is, do you have any memories of your people that you like SJW friends? I don't know what to call them. Like bad talking, your family, your parents and stuff like that.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of complicated because, on one hand, my family does definitely have its issues objectively.
0: I mean, most Um, do. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But, like,
2: I I think that leads to it, honestly. Um, I've talked to people. I think that when people are too far one direction, that often if the children don't respect their parents or their beliefs that they'll swing the other direction. I think yeah. that's very common.
0: It pushes you away. Are your parents quite conservative or you don't have, you don't have to answer these questions if it's too personal, but like, are they Christian? No, they-
1: um, they're not Christian, but they've always been conservative. Like they're not like some kind of like hardline fundies or anything like that. But like my dad listened to Rush Limbaugh. Um And my mom is also conservative, voted Trump. That was a huge fucking thing in 2016. Um, So, yeah, I I was definitely kind of trying to rebel against them. But a big thing in like the trans circles is that there's like a belief that if you are trans, you literally need to transition to live because you are at high risk of like suicide and self-harm and all this stuff if you don't transition.
0: Yeah, I've heard that a lot.
2: so Despite if- the fact that the statistics are nearly identical, whether you transition or not.
1: There is no conversation about statistics or anything. It's just that is yeah. the expected truth. And That's part
2: of the bite model.
1: Yeah. You yeah. have to, you have to control the information. Exactly. Um, so if your parents don't immediately and enthusiastically accept your trans identity and then help you transition as fast and as easily as possible, that means that they literally want you to kill yourself that like, that's kind of how a lot of people think like they're so abusive and they, they don't care about you to such a degree that they're going to reject your identity and they're going to force you to live in a body that isn't yours. And like all this kind of stuff. So there was like, despite the fact that my family has a lot of issues and there was a lot of tension already, I feel like it was very exacerbated by the influence that I was getting from my social justice friends, both like in college and online, where there was so much negative influence towards my family to the point where there was no reasoning with me, even if like, because I remember my, my dad would try to have like, more calm and reasonable conversations and the whole time he would be talking i was like no shut up shut up shut up like i would just refuse to engage in a conversation on any level i would just tell him shut up transphobe shut up transphobe like just shutting it down um so i think that without that influence that was kind of pulling me away from anybody who disagreed with my trans identity by telling me that by disagreeing with my trans identity, they didn't care about my life and safety. Um, I think things would have gone a lot differently without that influence.
0: What, uh, ha- having been through what you've been through and having sort of the insight that you have, what advice would you give to parents who are going through what your parents went through? Like, how, what do you think that they could have done better? And and how would you recommend people to try to approach if they're if they're dealing with this?
1: I think that for a lot of these kids, the trans identity, apart from the undue influence from like social media and stuff, but just like on a personal emotional level, the purpose that it serves in the psyche of a lot of these kids, um, it's a way of interpreting other emotional distress. So a lot of them already have body image issues. There's a huge overlap between girls who identify as trans and girls who have eating disorders. Like there's entire communities just for trans men with eating disorders online. Um, and so there's all sorts of other stuff. There's disproportionate amount of kids with childhood sexual abuse, other kinds of trauma. So it's kind of like a vector for explaining and understanding these complex emotional things that are going on um, when they're too young to really fully grasp the reality of what is going on inside their heads. So I think for parents where this is happening, the worst thing you can do is like try to shut it down with brute force. Like I know a lot of parents, like they'll either like punish their kids or they'll like take away their phone or they'll like, you know, do, do something to kind of like like some kind of negative stimulus to try to punish the kid for thinking this way or for wanting to transition. It, it
2: seems like they deal with it a lot. Not to cut you off, but in anger. And I think that parents um, parents need to be better about um, showing concern, where it's not where they're not mad. Because I'm sure a lot of teenagers um, and to be quite honest that your brain isn't fully developed still to this age. I mean, it takes 25 for some, for some people it takes longer, but, um, there's, that's partly why we don't allow people under age to transition because they just can't make a decision like that.
1: Um,
2: and I am, I am very open-minded about transgender. I believe that it's the, the whole like lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I am very against, transitioning children for that yeah. reason. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, I see your friends with Blair on Twitter, I think she follows you. And yeah, um, there's, um, there's a lot of different ways and a fully grown mature adult can live their life. Um, and I think that that's fine, but I really don't like it when we get our children involved. And that's where I draw the line. And I've seen people online say that um, they think that parents should have their children taken away from them if they don't transition.
1: If they don't allow, and I'm
2: talking as young as three to five
1: and that's so, what I'm talking about. It's like stuff like that that reinforces – like when you hear this kind of stuff and you're a trans young person, a trans identifying young person, when you hear this kind of stuff that parents should have their kids taken away because it's that abusive to not let your kid transition, like that's kind of what reinforces the idea that your parents are out to get you. Your parents want you to suffer. Your parents want you to die. Your parents are abusing you. Like that That kind of –
2: Yeah.
1: Just One to- other. One other
2: aspect of kind of the bite model and the cult behavior that I was wondering if you, um, if you experienced was the love bombing. That's where the people around you that support you um, love you and reach out to you and are very kind to you and offer to be your new family. Did you experience that or was it mostly um, just kind of random people on the internet? Like, did you have people that got really close with you and like, tried to support you and tried to push you in that direction
1: um yes but in in kind of different ways and i do want to finish answering that question okay. about the comments, um at okay. some point
2: okay but, we um, can circle back
1: yeah um but yeah i love bombing okay so on like tumblr it was less overt it was just kind of like when you do something that signals that you're of like a marginalized identity, you get special treatment in a way like you kind of get like put above other people. And so when I came out as trans, I got a lot of attention for it. When I changed my pronouns, I got a lot of attention for it. I started gaining a lot more followers than I had previously. Um, I could make posts and have opinions about issues that I was not able to previously have opinions on without getting yelled at by a lot of people. Um, And so there was kind of love bombing in that way. Not so much like people reaching out to me or really trying to get close to me or anything, but I did kind of, I felt like I was in the club, so to speak. Um, Like I could, I could be part of these like trans- kind of hard to explain um, but I guess on Tumblr there's like or at least at that point I don't know how it is now. We've but seen it.
0: He, yeah. and,
2: he and I have seen it. I mean
0: you see, it. Yeah. you see this on Twitter all the time. Yeah. People have their little c- coming out posts and they'll get like 20,000 people you know it's like th- throw up a- Parade for this person yeah. because they're gay. it's yeah. a, it's a the- little bit weird. I, I noticed too, um that theres a YouTuber philosophy tube who came out as trans yeah. recently, mm-hmm. and I was really curious. So I checked on GraphTreon, which is a website that graphs your patreon support. And the day that Abigail announced she was trans, It's just like a spike of like 16,000 new Patreon signups on one day. Yet they always say, I know I'm
2: going to lose a lot of followers (laughs) by doing this. (laughs) I know I'm, I know. Yeah. They always, they always say, I know this is going to lose me popularity
0: and they, they launch. Yeah. That's definitely a thing.
1: Yep. Yep. And part of it is, is almost like you'll be, you'll be on Tumblr or any site or even like Twitter or YouTube. Like you'll be some kind of content creator, whether it's like legitimate content or you're just posting. Um, And there will be people who are following you and they're enjoying your content. And then some percentage of those people are going to be trans identified, especially on Tumblr. It's probably a large percentage. And then when you make your coming out post post, they all say, oh, this person whose content I love is just like me. So then they'll start sending you messages being like, oh, my God, I love you so much. And you make the best posts and stuff. And now you're trans. Oh, my gosh, that makes me so happy. One
0: of us. One of us. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So then you're no longer the mm-hmm. cishet white girl. And now you're this trans boy or like NB trans mask something, something. Um, and you're getting all of this, like kind of positive attention thrown your way. Um, in college, I would say it was more of like the overt love bombing where like, I, you know, could go and I watched this with other people too. Um, cause I went into college already identifying as trans. Um, but there was this LGBT club organization thing at my college. And I actually lived in like the house. Like there was a, there was a house for this club and I lived there. Um, But yeah, um, definitely. I was one of the only trans identifying people there who was actually transitioning. There was a lot of like non-binary people, but not a lot of people who were medically transitioning. So I was one of the only ones. And so I definitely got like a whole lot of attention for that. I was treated kind of like, I was treated very special. Um, And then I had a friend who was also transitioning and, she was black. And so she got like so much attention. They would like ask her to make presentations and like all this kind of stuff. And just like always oozing with this positive attention. Um, And when I was watching it happening with other people who didn't come into college identifying as trans, they just came to the LGBT club to like check it out and stuff and just eventually started identifying as non-binary and then trans and then all this kind of stuff. Like I kind of, when I look back on it, it's very clear that, the love bombing was absolutely happening for these people while that identity was being formed. So I've, I've absolutely. You were getting
2: positive feedback for your Mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah. Uh,
0: So I have more questions, but we, did we get back to the other thing that are we all caught up now? Uh, The parents thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did we get everything out?
1: Uh, No, I was, I was going to just say one more little aspect. So, Keeping in mind that this trans identity, I feel like a lot of people think it's just like kids being stupid or kids just being crazy or rebellious. Like, yeah, that's true. But how it functions in the mind for a lot of people, it holds a lot of emotional significance. And it's more than just a crazy idea that they come up with in their heads. It's serving a purpose. And so I think a lot of, peop- a lot of parents need to understand that when something is serving such an important purpose, you can't just squash it out. And you can't exactly reason it away either. I know a lot of parents will try to like show their kids articles and show their kids data and mm-hmm. study and all this kind of stuff. And it's like that just to a 15 year old who's like you said, their brain isn't formed. And also they're operating from an extremely emotional, irrational level. That's not going to work.
0: Feelings don't care about your facts.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So the most important thing for parents is to just maintain an emotional connection And don't jeopardize that emotional connection, even if it means putting up with your kids saying dumb shit and your kid potentially doing really dumb shit. Because your only hope of actually helping to like bring them out of this is to make them feel like they have support and they have a little bit of stability.
2: But not, sorry, we'll finish that cause I I wanted to kind of add a little bit to like an opinion at the end.
1: Yeah, um, I was just gonna say- The stability and support. Yeah, stability and support, because chances are, whatever they're going through, it feels very unstable to them, like whatever they're kind of using the trans identity to funnel their feelings into. Um, Yeah, stability and closeness and feeling supported really helps, even if it doesn't have immediate results of like convincing your kid that you're right. And they say like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not trans. Never mind. Um, That's not really realistic. So that's what I would say to parents.
2: Okay. Um, But one other like opinion of of my own um, would be um, that parents shouldn't be overly enthusiastic because if the kid starts to question themselves, maybe be supportive like you would with anything else. But like, I I, want to actually learn how you grew out of it or how you transitioned, detransitioned back Um, is I think if parents are overly supportive and they derive their love and their attention on social media by being the parent of a transgender yeah. um then i think now you have more people you're letting down it's like hey mom and dad i know you're like president of the hoa because i'm trans but i'm not trans anymore so yeah. just i guess for parents
0: i mean, I mean conservative those parents probably fought. wouldn't do that. <laughs> Honestly, i know like, no, but what i'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is that better. like don't
2: what I'm saying is that as parents don't be so overly enthusiastic like yay, let's go buy dresses or but you could support your child and love them and try to figure out what it is that
1: void that they're trying to fill. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's not about whether or not you should be against or support it. It's more of just like doing things that show your child that you genuinely care what they're going through. So like asking them questions about how they feel not like gotcha questions about their ideology like questions about what is on their mind what their thought process is getting to know them getting to know what they're going through doing things with them because i know like there's a lot of parents and this was my situation where there was no real relationship between the parent and the child and i have a, a lot of friends like that and the parents just kind of met the the trans identity with like that brute force approach um, when there would have been I personally would have felt so much better had my parents like sat down and had conversations and like tried to understand what I was thinking and feeling so and mm-hmm. and in terms of my friends whose parents have taken that approach, it's usually strengthened their relationship and ended up preventing a lot of shenanigans yeah.
0: Okay, I I want to ask something, and this kind of dovetails on what you were just saying about understanding what you were thinking and feeling. S- something I hear from trans activists a lot is that it's very difficult to transition, too like too difficult. They'll say like you have to go through all this psychiatry and and this and that, and prove that you're trans. How hard was it for you to get start taking testosterone once you decided that's what you wanted to do? And and just describe the whole process.
1: Yeah. So that is the biggest lie ever told to such a degree that when I got my testosterone and I was leaving after getting my first shot, I was like, huh. That was way easier than I thought. Because I, I had this lie in my head that it's so hard to transition yeah, and trans people let's are. Gay start at guests. the
0: beginning. Like I, I yeah. want to hear the whole process. You decide you want to get testosterone. W- what do you do? You go to the phone book. You, like, like I want to hear oh. it all.
1: No, so I looked up. I live in Cincinnati. I lived in Cincinnati at the time, so I looked up like informed consent HRT Cincinnati because informed consent is basically. Um, You go into the clinic, they hand you a piece of paper that has risks on it, and then you say, you sign the paper indicating that you've read the risks and you accept the risks, even though that's a whole other discussion as to whether those documents are actually thorough. They're not. Um, So yeah, that's what informed consent is. Um, So you don't really need like any kind of... You're
0: basically waiving the liability for them and then you just get the shit
1: correct um so i looked up informed consent cincinnati didn't find anything found something in a city a few hours away because at this time this was in 2016 there was not nearly as many gender clinics or informed consent clinics right um as there are now it's like i don't know the actual statistic but it's like exponentially spreading like wildfire
0: (laughs) wildfire, yeah.
1: yeah Um, so I went online. I made an online appointment. I picked my little date on the schedule. Um, the day of my appointment came. I drove over there. Um, I talked to a social worker for like 20 minutes. Um, and I have a thread with, uh, pictures of the psychological assessment that I was given for this 20 minute conversation with the social worker. Um, and it's just the most ridiculous bullshit. I literally say in the, Psychological assessment that I'm suicidal, and they gave me the testosterone anyway.
0: Yeah did you um, did you feel like you were just giving them the answers you knew that they wanted to hear, so that you they would give you what you wanted when you're doing that? Like, or or were you really like were you really suicidal, or like or were you just was, play, playing into that because you knew that's what they wanted to hear? Or?
1: I was I was dealing with like a lot of, okay. of bullshit at that point in my life, um, so I definitely was feeling not good. Um, but yeah, I, I was honest about that. Um, I can We can find a way to link this thread because I think a lot of people could benefit from reading that because people are under the impression that there's some kind of like in-depth psychological assessment.
0: Yeah, shoot not. it to me on Twitter and I'll stick it in yeah. the, the description.
1: I will, I will. Um, so I talked to this woman for like 20, maybe 30 minutes. I think she asked me like 10 questions um, in total. And then she was like, you know what? She, she went in to like talk to the nurse practitioner or something who was going to be the the person who went over the medical aspect with me. And then she came back in the room and she told me that, you know, since you've driven from so long away, we're supposed to do a follow up appointment two weeks from now. So we can get your blood test results back and everything. But since you don't have anything in your medical history and you've driven so far, we're just going to waive that and we'll give you your prescription today. And then, so I was like, yay, woohoo. I like cried tears of joy and everything. Um, and then the nurse practitioner came in and she gave me the informed consent packet, asked me to read it over. I kind of skimmed it over. And then, um, because I already had read a lot of this online, like I, I knew this um, and I signed it. And then she gave me a prescription. I took my prescription to the CVS across the street. Then I came back and then she showed me how to do my injection. I did my injection and I left and... And then then
0: are you basically like buying your hormones from these people for like the next two, like, like they're like, what I'm trying to get is they're making money off this, right?
1: Yeah. My appointment, I don't remember how much it was, but I think it was like a hundred to $200. I'm not sure exactly.
0: But not even just that, but there's, there's like a, it's a subscription model you're taking. Yeah. You have to, right.
1: Yeah, but I don't think you pay the clinic. You pay at the pharmacy.
0: I paid okay. at the pharmacy, at the okay.
1: CBA. Um so it def- but the clinic is also definitely making money. Like that you have to pay for the appointment. Yeah,
0: like I looked into getting uh TRT a long time ago. So I'm like 40 now and and I I body build, So I looked into it like a lot of guys do because I want to build more muscle. And I went to the doctor and he wouldn't prescribe it for me because my range is like within the acceptable parameters. Right. But now I've started getting these like sponsored Facebook ads for like these sketchy websites that are like no appointment needed. We'll send you an assessment and get you approved and, and get you on the subscription plan for testosterone. And I'm just thinking like, this is so like, I'm sure I could get approved if I went through this site, you know? yeah it's sketchy they
1: they have that for trans people now too just like online you do a telemedicine appointment real quick and you have to make
2: sure that you know the source though there was a there was a a a bodybuilder i can't remember his name um who had done he was a fighter or something like that and this was just a couple of years ago and he had ordered some stuff online and it had illegal substances in it so yeah. he lost his ability. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the site
0: is like really sketchy. Like it's, it's very like scam. Yeah. How about, how really about empty. we
2: not do that LP? Yeah. How about you?
0: Yeah, well, my wife <laughs> won't <laughs> let me. So it's You okay.
2: don't need abs at 40. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <you do.
0: laughs> yeah. People, they'll call me soy boy if I don't get jacked.
2: Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you actually, I mean, not, not that the compliments are going to help, but you you look good for somebody who's been on testosterone for a long period of time. Thank you. No, not you. I'm talking about (laughs) Helena for, for being on testosterone is okay. I, in 2009, 2010, I went through a phase. There are people that remember me on the internet back then LP I've disclosed some stuff to you. And you know, when we've had some private calls, but I kind of went through a funky phase Uh, not quite to the extent that you did Helena. And I think mine stemmed from, just kind of like a, a, well, I had spinal meningitis and my brain swelled up. And I so I had brain damage essentially. And then after that I was questioning because I'd always been a tomboy and my career choices and hobbies have always been more masculine. And I think it was questioning whether or not it was a tomboy or maybe I'm a man in a woman's body.
1: Yeah.
2: And there, it was a weird phase that I went through and I had a lot of other stresses going
1: on. Yeah.
2: And so kind of when I went through that phase, I binged a lot of uh FTM YouTubers and back then there weren't as many as there are now. Um and I there are a few that have detransitioned and yeah. they there's still something there about them. Often it's that like a croaky voice, not deep, a lot of people have mentioned in the chat that you I think you just sound raspy. I don't think you yeah. sound masculine at all. You sound because I have a raspy
0: voice. It's really not bad. All things considered. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You don't, you don't sound masculine. You just sound like you get bronchitis a couple of times a year.
0: The voice (laughs) is always the giveaway with trans men, you know, trans women. A lot of times you can just see them from a mile away. Just you can glance at them and tell, but the men tend to be a lot more passing. I think because testosterone is very powerful hormone. Mm -hmm. The effects are crazy. Uh, but then they talk and you hear that you you can hear it, especially if you've, if you've heard a lot of trans men, it's, they all have that same kind of thing that, so it's, yeah, you learn to like recognize it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I don't know. I have my theories as to why I didn't really get that many physical permanent changes. Like with my voice, my speaking voice is, it's definitely deeper than it was when I was growing up and stuff, but it's like you said, it's not it doesn't sound like a trans guy voice and it doesn't sound like a man's voice either. It just kind of sounds like a deeper version of my voice. Um, The only difference is that I can't really hit high notes at all that I could hit before. Like my voice just kind of like croaks out, Um, but I can hit really, really low notes, like freakishly low notes. So that's kind of the, the difference in my voice, but like physically I agree. I, uh, I feel like I look good. Um, And I feel like I've gotten really lucky with that.
2: Did you, I mean, did you notice any like whiskers or did your skin cause one of the first things that a lot of uh, FTM, um, notice is the skin, uh, it gets oily yeah, and the body odor and the breath, like, because the testosterone, you get those, uh, and I don't know how long it takes for the hair. I guess it's just, you know, based on your genetics, but did you notice like your skin getting different and did you get acne or anything like yeah. that from the testosterone?
1: I got all that. I got all that for sure. Um, Hair, not so much. I have like a couple little hairs that will crop up and I just pluck them. So it's not that- You'll get those when you're old anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, uh, not a lot of of changes, which at the time was frustrating. But now that I I don't want to look like a man anymore, uh, it's a good thing. So, yeah.
0: So let's hear now, how did you- what when did you realize you you wanted to stop like what you, you mentioned already you had the kind of like the eureka moment can you just go a little more into into that whole thing yeah um so
1: i guess i should start out cuz it, it i did have a eureka moment but there was like a lot leading up to that where it was just like building up and building up and then eventually the dam just broke um and i couldn't lie to myself anymore but so i guess before i started transitioning i had this fantasy in my head that like oh this is the answer to all my problems when i transition like i'm finally not going to hate my body i'm finally not going to be socially awkward i'm finally just going to feel like myself i'm going to feel at one with myself and the world and everything all my problems stem to the fact that i haven't transitioned that's kind of like the mindset that i had very immature teenager mindset um so I started transitioning and that fantasy was not coming true. And I kind of had this attitude of like, oh, it just hasn't been long enough. It just hasn't been long enough. The testosterone hasn't worked as much as it should, um, blah, blah, blah. I had all of these different excuses. And then when I went to like trans circles online, at this point I stopped using Tumblr, but I started using Facebook and Reddit. And I would make posts being like, hey, I'm transitioning. I've been on testosterone for a year and I feel 90 million times worse. What gives? And people would just be like, oh, just keep, stay strong. Keep holding in there. Like, don't give up. Don't detransition, blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, okay, I'll do that. Um, and then just like more stuff started piling on. Testosterone was not good for me mentally. Um, they, they tell you that it can exacerbate mental health issues, but they just say that it can kind of destabilize you. They don't go into detail of like what that can look like. For me, that looked like severe, severe, severe anxiety to the point of paranoia, constant panic attacks. Like I was just a hot fucking mess. Um, very, very suicidal. Ended up being hospitalized twice during this period for like mental health reasons. And I was just, the fantasy that I had was not coming true. It was the exact opposite. I was a hot mess. Um, I was having a lot of pain um, with testosterone because your reproductive organs, they need estrogen to function. Having testosterone in there and like lowered estrogen, it can cause a lot of problems in your reproductive organs. I think I'm fine now. But at the time, I was having a lot of pain. Um, just like period cramps times 10 all the time. Um And so all this stuff was kind of like building up. I hated my life. The fantasy wasn't true. I didn't feel any better about my body. I kind of felt like a genderless mutant. I didn't really feel like a man, even though towards the end I passed. Like I got consistently seen as a male. Um, But like when you go home and you take your clothes off, you still have a female body. So I I, I
0: think about that a lot because I've read that trans women the the most common way that they have sex is like penis in vagina and i just think to myself it's like you're worried about me using a he pronoun but but that's not going to trigger your dysphoria yeah yeah Yeah.
2: but i mean i there's a big difference between somebody who uh found out through Tumblr as a teenager. And there are, I believe that there is real gender dysphoria Um, from the age of five, six, seven. I don't believe you had true gender dysphoria. I believe that you had kind of like a a socially enforced, similar to how a lot of these people do, which I have a feeling we may cover because it's been taking up the whole screen. But um, I did have one other question. Please tell chat to fuck off if you don't want to answer this. But was there any change in your sexual orientation or did you have any interest at all in relationships? Um, I know you were underage through most most of your time that you considered, right? You said you were like 16. And
1: yeah. then you were
2: 15 when you transitioned.
1: Yeah, I was 15 when I started getting involved. Did in all you the consider time yourself that?
2: gay or what?
1: Like yeah, what so this life? is a fun one. Um so because of this kind of like guilt complex that I had when I was 15 on Tumblr um I started calling myself bi looking back I don't think I ever really had any genuine like attraction to women like I can look at women and I can tell that they are attractive but like growing up objectively never... Yeah yeah objectively but like You can appreciate
2: up... my jawline as well. Yes. I can.
1: I can actually. Um, oh.
2: that, that actually just, you know, um, to kind of, not that this is about me, but th- what kind of fed into mine was that I'm five foot 11 and I do have a very pronounced jawline and I'm very tall and I have very large hands and feet. And, um, I think that fed into it for me that I had body dysmorphia, but in a different way, I was never overweight. I was always very thin and very tall and clanky. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was that I didn't feel natural in my own body. So I must be a guy. But I, yeah. I didn't go through the transition. I just kind of, you know, I, I was just awkward,
1: you know. Yeah. And, so. Me too. I just ended up going through the transition. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm glad that
2: it did turn out the way it did with you, and um, that you kind of came to your senses. Um, and it, you know, I mean, you because like because I, d- I don't whatever. consider you to have been truly Could have been worse. Could have been yeah, red. Really yeah, because and only because you weren't genuinely dysphoric. I mean, there are people I know someone who has been um, MTF for so many years. And I met him right around this transition period. He was in his early 20s. And he's very passable. But he's also not white. He's mostly Asian. And um, he's very passable. And it's very um, hard for me to ever imagine. Well, she, it's very hard. I I met, when I met them, they were a he and they've gone through the transition. It's been a lot of years, but in my mind, I still, it's, it's hard to imagine her, anything other than what she is now that it's been years. So still, I guess that's what like, I, I still
0: kind of struggle with but. it. I, so I, I really, if I could get Ken Zucker to come on here, I think he can convince me that it's, it's not necessarily that I don't think gender dysphoria is real. I don't think that's really the question. The question for me is, is like, is transitioning.
1: Exactly. A good
0: form of therapy that, exactly. that should be used on anyone. And, and exactly. like I said, I'm open-minded about it. I'm not I'm not going to sit right. here and say no one should ever transition, but I'm also skeptical. Like, I'm kind argument. of on the fence, I, don't, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's a nuanced argument, and that's yeah. why I don't think that there's – I don't think we can paint the subject with a broad brush because as as much as we can giggle and laugh at things like the GameStop uh, trans ma'am, we can laugh at things like that when it's just absurd people being absurd – um, there is, I mean, there's a reality behind it, which is that 40% of them commit suicide. So there's clearly something there that's not just about gender. That's and like you said,
1: the issues true. We we're dealing with. Do what now? That that 41% statistic isn't even true.
2: It isn't. Okay, what well, uh, what is it then? Because I I, can, I've just always-
1: I can send I, you a very good- article um that goes into these studies it's like all sorts of tricks that get pulled where it's like they'll they'll survey people and they'll say you know like have you ever attempted suicide or had suicidal thoughts and people will answer yes to having suicidal thoughts and they'll count that as a suicide attempt
0: Okay. A lot um, a lot of the science is sketchy on yeah, that stuff. Yeah. 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 You, you know what I mean? A lot of the when they when they have the studies that show the positive outcomes, a lot of it is based on surveys where the response rate is low and it's like did these people kill themselves and that's why they're not responding, you know what I mean? And then they're not getting included in the thing. Exactly. Right? So the self-reporting is
2: probably the biggest issue because um, like you said, when you had to take a, a, a quiz or whatever it was, the the intake form that you had to do it uh, when you got your testosterone is self-reporting. We we all. We're all going to report what we want the outcome to be. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if there's a bunch of young trans people out there who want everyone to believe that they're suicidal, They maybe will lean, it doesn't mean they're lying, but they'll maybe lean more towards the days that they feel down about themselves and say, yes, I'm suicidal.
1: Yeah. But also this, um, even if the the 41% statistic were accurate, it's very manipulative to use suicide to shut down discussion about what genuinely is a complicated issue about medical ethics and mental health like, it's it's very manipulative to use suicide to shut down discussion about that, because just because if, hypothetically, 41% did kill themselves, just because 41% of trans people kill themselves, that has nothing to do with whether or not they should transition. That just means that these people with these common symptoms have extreme distress. What do you do with that distress? What is the ethical approach to that distress? It so. feels
2: almost like emotional blackmail, because yeah. no parent no parent wants to lose their child. So if I myself had to choose between having a transition teenager or a dead teenager, I would bend the knee. I mean, it's like you you'll at least do it long enough for them to figure out that that's not what they want. Yeah, if you genuinely believe that your child has the, um, the ability and the, you know, the desire to kill themselves, you'll definitely do what they say, or at least maybe I wouldn't go to that extent, I would probably get them
1: professional help. But But I think
2: a lot of parents would.
1: Exactly. In any other situation, if someone has suicidal ideation to the point where it's a crisis, it gets treated as a crisis. Like, there's, I've also like uh, dealt with an eating disorder, and I've known a lot of people who have dealt with eating disorders. And there's a lot of people out there who like the the struggles that come with having an eating disorder, whether it's like the constant thoughts about it, the um, the the body hatred, the extreme negative emotions when you gain weight for example can make can result in very intense suicidal ideation but when someone when a patient presents to an eating disorder therapist or treatments that are with center with suicidal ideation which can often be extremely intense there's a lot of people who actually end up in eating disorder treatment because they tried to kill themselves and they were spotted as having an eating disorder in the hospital um, when recovering from that attempt Nobody says, okay, so you want to kill yourself because you hate your weight. Let's help you lose Let's weight. Let's give
0: you liposuction. We'll yeah, exa- Exactly. Yeah. I've, I think about that all the time because at, like uh, anorexics, you can actually, they actually have things that show up in brain scans. I, I'm not super like, deep yeah, there's this. portions yeah. of the brain. But they, so, and they use the same arguments for tra- to say, we've, we've proven that being trans is real because it, because you can show certain things on a brain scan that trans brains are different than. Well, let me talk brains.
2: About that. Can but, I, and I, I want to jump in cause I've got some.
0: Okay. But just to finish my point, but you can also prove that anorexia is, is real on a brain scan, but you don't treat anorexia with liposuction. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. The
2: um, portion, okay. The portions of the brain that are shrunken in an anorexia or in an, an anorexic are portions of the brain that shrink due to starvation as well. So it could be causation, not correlation.
1: There's also, um, I don't know the exact, like what's up with this, but um, I've heard that there are like genetic, they're linking certain genes to anorexia or at least to a predisposition to fall into eating behaviors that can result yeah. in so, They've like-
2: already proven that with obesity and uh, binge yeah. eating and addiction, alcoholism, uh, those genetic markers pretty much can your whole
0: personality you. is is like has some yeah. kind of genetic predisposition to it yeah. I, th- I think it's safe to say yeah yeah but um when, no, Helen, go, go when ahead helena young... finish your your okay. thought on that. yeah
1: i wanted to say something about but my i'm having a brain fart um what
0: was whoa, this whoa, on whoa. the brain scans? For
1: Yes. Okay. So a lot of people, like, they'll say, like, oh, they have brain scans where trans people have the same brains as the gender they identify as. Wrong. Um, the actual studies that they have with the brain imaging um, were only done on males, first of all. And the commonalities were between gay male transsexuals and straight females.
0: Right. And, I mean, and gay males whoa. are more like straight females yeah, too right? yes. yeah and
1: their estrogen levels are closer exactly but this the the brain similarities were not found between straight transsex straight male transsexuals and straight women or straight male transsexuals and gay women or gay male transsexuals and gay women, gay and gay women. it was only gay male transsexuals and straight women where they had some commonalities. So it's more, this is more likely indicating that there is a similarity in the brain between gay men and straight women. And that probably has to do with all of the factors that can result in sexuality uh, varying between people. Um, So it's, it's more of a, indication of the similarities between sexuality as opposed to trans people have the brains of the gender they identify as. That's not true. Um, But what they have found is that there are abnormalities for some types of gender dysphoria, like the the type of gender dysphoria that you mentioned before, um, where people have had it since childhood, it doesn't go away, it's very, very persistent. Um, They have found in some people that there are abnormalities in the part of the brain that map how your brain sees your body so like there there are parts of the brain that kind of orient how you see your body in relation to the world Um, like what your mental image of yourself basically like how when you're walking through life what is your mental image of yourself to the point of it's very hard to explain.
0: There's like but, other types of body dysmorphia people have. Yeah, the can have, personification. Right? Like peop- yeah, exactly. Guys can like think that they're too scrawny. Women can think that they're too fat. And these can also be more mental than like you yeah. just literally like naughty. You look in the mirror and you don't even like see what's actually there, right?
1: And with a lot of people who have body dysmorphia, it's not just when you look at yourself. It's like actually like you, it's almost like phantom limb because I've had body dysmorphia too. Um, and it's almost like phantom limb where like you feel, your brain literally perceives you as being this thing that you're not actually. So they have observed that in some cases of gender dysphoria. So yeah. Well, I, when I,
2: the media perpetuates a culture that in reinforces that you go that direction, it's going to be more. It's kind of like the, um, you know, if back in the nineties and you know, the media used to come under fire over um, always promoting skinny 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 everything was always you know girls were always scrawny um and they were under fire for that but now that they promote transgender and they promote all these other you know polyamory things um we don't have to get back on that subject but (laughs) the um the media perpetuating this kind of culture of like trans is the new thing to be Mm -hmm. then i'm sure that it it kind of pushes you in that direction more so than it, than it would have. So I think LP, this is where he would say that shaming works.
0: Well, I look, I I think I've made my position kind of clear. I did want to ask you yours to just to clarify, because after all you've been through, you seem pretty critical. Like you've looked into a lot of the the studies and, and you've got issues. When I was saying, I don't know if transitioning is, a good therapy you were kind of nodding are you sort of like again like like do you, do you are you have the opinion that there are real uh dysphoric people who should transition or do you think that the whole thing needs to be dealt with in a different way just in your personal opinion so and it's okay if you don't know because like i said i don't really know either but i'm just curious
1: no i i definitely have an opinion on this it's just it it takes a little bit of reorienting how you look at the issue. So the way I look at it is that dysphoria is a mental health condition, potentially in some people, a neurological processing condition. We don't know enough about that, but, um, re the thing that I was just talking about with, uh, the abnormalities in the parts of the brain that process your body, um, It could be a genuine neurological condition that would require some kind of different kind of treatment. Um, So that's what I believe gender dysphoria is. I do believe there are people who have it. I do believe there are people who are born with it. I do believe there are people who in some ways could psychologically benefit from transition. But that being said, medical transition is a medical issue. And doctors and all medical personnel or medical practitioners really, their primary purpose is to keep your body healthy. And when you give someone cross-sex hormones, that is not making your body healthy. A lot of people have the impression that cross-sex hormones are purely an aesthetic cosmetic thing Um, that, you know, even on the, like, if you Google testosterone effects, FTM, all the articles that will come up, they will give you a list of cosmetic effects that will happen and maybe a few sentences to give lip service to the fact that your risk of heart attack is quadrupled. Um, but there's not really any discussion of what does estrogen do in your body, how is estrogen involved in b- bone formation, bone resorption, muscle, uh, reproductive health, neurological health. Estrogen and really sec- all sex hormones are involved in millions of cellular processes throughout your body. and All these cellular processes require you to have a functioning endocrine system. So when you have cross-sex hormones in your body, you are disbalancing and destabilizing a lot of chemical processes. And that's why you look at people, the the few examples of especially trans men, because I think it is worse for women who have been on these medications for 30, 40, 50 years. You see a lot of really disastrous problems. Like take Buck Angel, for example. Buck Angel almost died because of the effects of testosterone. Um, So when it comes to whether I think there are people who should transition, like I said, I think that there are people who have a certain type of gender dysphoria that in the short term or maybe even the long term, they might psychologically benefit from transition. But when it comes to the responsibility of a healthcare practitioner, I don't think it's ethical. I don't think it's an ethical treatment, even though in some ways for some people it might work. I still think it's an abuse of the medical license and the medical practice. And I think that our goal should be going towards looking at gender dysphoria as a category where there are lots of different subtypes that fall under it and isolating what's causing these different phenomenon Um, and differentiating between the categories and taking a biopsychosocial approach towards understanding the different categories so that we can best help people in a way that is tailored to them. Because right now we're just taking everybody who comes in and says something that sounds vaguely the same, and we're pumping them full of hormones really is what we're doing. um, That's destabilizing their endocrine system and causing a lot of problems. And I don't think that's ethical. I don't think that's how you should practice medicine. So the focus absolutely should be towards genuinely understanding gender dysphoria and then trying to help people overcome that instead of changing their bodies to match what their gender dysphoria is telling them.
2: Yeah, to go back to the BITE model, uh, people that work in academia or the medical community that speak out against this, that say, hey, look, this isn't isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Regardless of whether they have a PhD in the subject, it doesn't matter. Um, they are shut down, and they are run out, they're run out of work, they're run off the internet, Mm. they, um, they end up having to spend tons of money on lawsuits. Um, Yeah, everybody comes out of the woodwork to tell them that they just want to murder innocent
0: children. It's a very taboo thing to yeah,
2: yeah. So I mean, again, that's part of the bite model, you have to shut shut down those voices. And, you know, any anytime you support Transitioning, um, it's because love. It's love, love, everything's love. But as soon as you question it, it's because you hate trans people. They, there has to be that extreme dichotomy there, or else they couldn't keep their message moving forward because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like just, it just, you know, like if you go back a hundred years and say, "Hey, we're going to be cutting off people's genitals and give, pumping them full of hormones when they're seven years old." They're going to say, what? no, we out. burn witches. We're not that crazy. We're not crazy enough to pump yeah. kids full of hormones. Yeah.
1: it's It's really messed up. And it's like this topic is one where the rabbit hole is ever deep. Like you never really get to the bottom of it. There's always like something more to understand and something that's more depraved than the last thing that you thought was the most depraved thing you've ever seen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really big problem. Yeah. I mean, there's
0: whole, there's whole things we haven't gone into. Like, I don't know if you know the, the subreddit, it's a fetish, which was banned, but like there's whole, like, yeah, like you said, there's, there's really depraved things. Some of the stuff with the sex reassignment surgery, some of the horror stories from that there's, there's, this rabbit hole goes deep if you want to, but we're coming up on time. I kind of just want to wrap this up. I, this has been really great. It's been really interesting talking to you. Yeah, you too. Uh what what where what do you have planned for your future? Are you still in school? Do you do you have like where, where do you see yourself going from here, just out of curiosity?
1: I'm not in school right now, but I'm trying to like get into taking some summer classes so I can kind of ease my way back into school and then hopefully transfer to an actual school. Um, I think
0: right ever since I was young, like biology chair. has Ain't really no been something that's just me. And of now dreams. after
1: my experience with the trans stuff, it's like truly become a passion. Um, so I'm thinking I, I will either go into research of some sort, because um, I've I've done some work with, um, do you know Mike Bailey? He's kind of in the same circle as Blanchard. They, they've written. A lot oh,
0: together. oh, the 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 man. The is that the guy who wrote that book?
1: The man who would be yes, queen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, great book. Uh, you should try to get him on. Um, yeah, that's
0: a good. I I will. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can put you in touch. Um, but yeah, I've I've done some work with him, and so I've I really enjoyed the process of like researching and and like that aspect of psychology, not so much clinical. But um, I really want to do something sciencey, just like pursue learning and and finding out about things because I like digging deep. So I'm either going to go that direction or I'm going to go with a medical direction. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. And in terms of like the trans stuff, I just want to keep talking about it because it's just like, I I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. Um, There's always more things that I can tell people. Um, I think people are really interested in this topic. There's just not a lot of good, satisfying answers out there. So I I really want to Try to do that, like give people satisfying answers about this complicated topic. So,
0: um someone in the chat is asking if you're single. No. Oh, I was gonna say Aww. shoot your shot, but I'm not gonna mate. Okay. Um, uh, I do
2: appreciate you coming on and yeah, talking about this. Yeah, this we don't we don't get a lot of like intelligent conversations <laughs> yeah, this, on this show. This might show. be it's our most of...
0: productive conversation. Yeah, we, outside of <laughs> <had> Alex. <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> Alice, we had her on she was pretty intellectual yeah. Um, but yeah i know it's i i appreciate you sharing things with us and answering our
0: our questions so.
1: absolutely anytime i really enjoyed it
0: I put the good thing is you're young twitter. enough now too if people still. want to follow you on twitter i put i put the link in the description uh i'll i'll update with that thread you were mentioning about your getting the the hormones um do you have anything else you'd like to plug before we go,
1: um, I, I will send you this article that I'm thinking of. It's a really, really long article, but it goes over all of the studies into like the the suicide claims um, and it, it goes, it's really, really in depth into that. And I, it's very, a lot of nuance into that issue, but um, you might appreciate it. Um, so I'll send you that. Yeah, no, I'd
0: I'd like to see that. I I always bookmark studies on this stuff, and I have like a folder because he I,
1: likes to debate. I do. Um, I, I,
0: I like to debate, the, and I next like next time to, he's arguing. Like to make videos that should, and that. Can... Oh God, boss. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we had a we did have a five dollar super chat just come in from. uh, Get Agrippa, who says, keep up the good work, L.P. and Annika. Helena, the problematic, was great. So thank you for the support. We appreciate that.
1: Thank you. Um, Last thing I'll plug is that me and a couple of friends are working on kind of like a paper talking about um, taking this from the angle of like looking at exactly how hormones affect the body um, and why there is an ethical conflict with like a medical practitioner prescribing transition as a solution when really it's causing widespread disease in people's bodies. So um, we're going to be interviewing endocrinologists. We're going to be doing a lot of research for this. Um, Not sure when it's going to actually come out because we're in the process of writing it right now. But if you are interested in something like that, give me a follow on Twitter and you will see it. So
0: that sounds great. Okay, everybody, I think we can uh, leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Helena. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, leave comments, likes, etc. subscribe, you know, uh, share, share to your social media, blah, blah, blah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll catch you all on the flip side. Oh, I almost forgot I have an outro video. I was going to, like, just hit the end button, but peace out. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs>